0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the AMT Tech Trans Podcast, where we discuss the latest manufacturing technology research and news. I'm Benjamin Moses, the Director of Manufacturing Technology, and I'm here with... Stephen Lamarca,
1: AMT's technology
0: analyst. Steve, how are you doing? How was your week?
1: Dude, it's been a busy week. Yeah. Uh, I am ready for another week. Off. Well, I'm ready to crush some Thanksgiving dinner, and <laughs> then I'm going to be ready for another week off. But uh, yeah. things have been busy. I've been tired. Uh, my dog has been sick,
0: oh and man, having
1: diarrhea. Uh, <laughs> probably didn't need to share that, but uh, took him to the vet. Vet's expensive, so there's all of these things going on, and now I've got to feed him chicken and rice, so he's eating better than I am. <laughs> and I got to sprinkle some probiotics, some cultures, onto his food to uh, uh, reintroduce healthy bacteria into his belly. It's like, nobody does this for me.
0: <laughs> Your dog gets, gets a lot more attention than you do. Sorry, my, Steve.
1: My dog eats a lot better than
0: I do. <laughs> I guess the big news, Steve. Uh, I had a very interesting week. Uh, I bought a new car. <gasps> my yes. 2008 BMW was uh, leaking oil every now and then. And Deepa said, stop leaking oil in my garage. <laughs> so first of all, it's our garage. Right. Uh, so I've been looking around for a, a full-size sedan. I needed step up from a two-door to a four-door car um, the only other criteria that i wanted was something close to 500 horsepower so a four-door car nice 500 horsepower and, uh, and not
1: as much oil leaks
0: so something that doesn't leak oil right away I, I could let it leak oil in a few years it will be fine uh, so before and you tell me what it is
1: before yeah. you tell me what it is yeah you want 500 horsepower it sounds like you want a performance oriented sedan correct are you going to tune with it and fiddle with it the way you did with the BMW? Because <laughs> um, I think Jules might have to, something to say again about that.
0: Maybe, maybe. I mean, that could be some of the problems of why it's leaking oil. or uh, It depends on the warranty uh, coverage, too. I think that is a uh, predecessor of when I could start modding it or shipping it. Sure, sure. Um, but probably not, to be honest.
1: Uh, it sounds like it's going to be a fun car.
0: It's going to be a fun car. Uh, full-size uh, car. Uh, and not that expensive. So obviously, if you if anything, your mm. is your limit. Um, Deepa you minus I was shooting around forty thousand dollars, which opens up to used market and potentially some new cars. Okay. Uh, so I put my name on a car that I wanted, and that dealer uh, fell through. So I looked on CarMax oh, that day, man. and I uh, Deepa found a car that was four hundred fourteen horsepower, full size sedan. Uh, we went and tested drove it. I bought a Porsche Panam- Panamera. Panamera. <laughs> nice, <laughs> I can work on pronouncing it. <laughs> Dude, it is, you,
1: I love now, those things, man. They, they look like, they're like kind of like, they're trying to look like a coupe, but also have the utility of like a station wagon. Yeah, and Some wagons are uh, meant to haul things, but that wagon I'm pretty sure is meant to haul. You know what?
0: <laughs> yeah. It, so That's awesome. The Porsche lineup of uh, engines, gets really pricey so if you truly wanted like a normally aspirated v8 that gets close to 500 or 500 and above it's gonna yeah. be really expensive i got the it's the s model so it's a mid-tier uh, performance okay. oriented model right. it, but the way it gets 414 horsepower is with their uh hybrid system so it's <gasps> nice. a uh, supercharged v6 with a hybrid system so that's so all new the, territory
1: you've got the lime green brake calipers i got the
0: lime green accents it's so cool <laughs> Dude,
1: that's awesome it's big it's, brakes. Oh, I'm so jealous.
0: It's it's a great car, and uh, you know, for before everyone starts yelling at me, I bought an expensive car. It's a used car. It's five years old already. Porsches hold their value. I feel like fairly well. Uh, the interior is actually very nice for a five-year-old car. It came off some corporate lease. Yeah. Um, so it, I'm still learning the interactions of the hybrid system and the supercharged V6. Um, but from a from a standing, so from a standing red light it takes off man it's, a, it's like a bad at hell
1: i bet those things uh you know th- that that hybrid system along with toyotas and i think audi's as well leman proven proven at yeah. the 24 yeah. hours yep so that's am, that's cool
0: although high voltage electricity just scares me in general so working yeah. at eden i oh, was yeah. always very very afraid of just being near the power bus and things like that so when i Uh, It does come with a uh, 120 volt charger that I can charge the battery while it's sitting in the garage. Yeah. Uh, I'm still scared. Just plugging it in. (laughs) Really? I I don't know. It's just me. It's just, I know the high voltage, everything looks safe. Everything it's got a handle and it's got a very robust plug.
1: Yeah. But
0: once I take off like a cover and I can see like the three orange you know, zero gauge wires running around on the inside. I'm like, oh, really right. that looks scary.
1: <laughs> yeah. I know it's a, instant
0: death. That's that's what scares me.
1: It's a lot of current. Yeah, at least right. at least with gasoline, you know, there's a chance, you know, because right, right. first you have to notice it's spilling everywhere. Right. Yeah. Then you need a spark, you know, right. so there, there's... Yeah. Did I ever tell you about that one time that um, um, th- this was like, I think my first year owning a motorcycle. Uh, gaslight comes on. I'm like, oh, how fun this is the first time i'm gonna <laughs> fill up the tank in a motorcycle yeah pull into the gas station no idea what to do no, like you know, the msf course teaches you everything yeah you know counter steering all that stuff but uh they always fill up the tank for you <laughs> and it's just like okay how does this work do you just like shove it in there just jam and, it, in. And, and, and let it go the way you yeah. do with a car right. no you have to watch it <laughs> and I learned this the hard way because I I I stick the nozzle in there, yeah. you know, squeeze the thing and then throw the little clip in there and figure, okay, it'll turn off when it's full. Nope. Wrong. <laughs> Next thing you know, like I'm on my phone because, you know, of course, you know, millennial, of course I'm on my phone. I'm texting away. Like I think I took a Snapchat. Like, look at me! I'm filling up my bike for the first time, and, and I'm putting in the caption. And uh, next thing you know, I hear all this this pouring. Turn around! There's <laughs> Niagara Falls of gasoline oh, coming no. out of my motorcycle, and and it's pouring right onto the hot exhaust header, yep. like the hot yep. ex- like exhaust pipe. And and I'm like, dude, is this it? Is, is this the end for me this is how you and die like like gasoline is flash boiling right. off of the exhaust pipe and i thought i have to be catching fire any moment now <laughs> yeah. but you know I, I i turn it off i'm still alive there's still no flame um the beauty of gasoline is kind of like you know high proof alcohol and it like it like dries up and evaporates right away right but uh Drove out of there. Didn't talk to anybody. I was like, fortunately, nobody was around. I I don't think the gas station attendant noticed because, to be honest, he was probably a millennial on his phone, too, or her. Um, So, uh, yeah, that was exciting. That's an experience. The point that I'm trying to get across is any type of stored energy has a chance to burn and combust. Yeah, that's true. If If it doesn't have the opportunity to cleanly And seamlessly transition from chemical storage, chemical or electric storage, to what you're trying to do with it, which is kinetic energy. Um, You know, there's going to be some parasitic loss there. There's going to be, you know, you're going to lose it, lose some of that stored energy to heat, vibration, noise, which is vibration. Um, if, If there's any sort of like unseamless transition to kinetic energy, you have a chance at combusting right so
0: right. I'm yeah, at least proud of right. you for being afraid
1: <laughs> um, because it's it's just as dangerous as as gasoline everybody yeah. think you know I, I get where you're coming from but at the same time it's like If you can do it with gas, it's no problem. And people bat an eye to like they think like filling up a tank is no big deal. Unless you're from like Oregon or New Jersey, ask Alon about that. Like his first time down here, he he told me he was like he's like I'm. People always pump my gas for me. What am I (laughs) doing? This is a hazmat. I'm not I'm not certified to handle this. That's funny. (laughs) He, He was going through all that, and it's like to be fair to to Alon, it's like yeah. This is a dangerous material you're handling. Sure,
0: sure. New experience. Without
1: gloves, without a respirator. You know, I realize <laughs> I'm being a, su- a Nancy right now, but like, I what I'm trying to convey is I get where you're coming from. There's a <laughs> lot of power being like moved from one spot to another.
0: I think it's okay to be afraid as
1: long as you oh, get yeah. past it. Yeah. yeah. It, it's le- but, alive. Le- but to what you said, at least the death is instant. <laughs> I'd rather I'd rather die instantly to like electric shock
0: of with a high current than uh, burn alive. Being not be able to put it day. out. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, what's your what's your potential new car? You've had your car for a little bit. Are you considering any new cars in the in the future? Or, I'm, I'm
1: always considering a new car because you know, yeah. I, I'm, so I'm coming up on seventeen. Or excuse me, seventy five thousand miles on my Scion FRS. And I love that car. It really is the poor man's Porsche. I like right. to call it the poverty Porsche. <laughs> you know, because a boxer engine, naturally yeah. aspirated, lightweight. Its primary competitor is the Mazda Miata, except it's more of a utility vehicle in that it has a usable trunk, it has unusable back seats, but right. it's around the same weight as a Miata. It's a few hundred pounds heavier than a Miata. But they tried to like offset that in the marketing for the first generation, which is what I have, by saying, Oh, but it has 200 horsepower, <laughs> it's two liter inline, or it's a two liter uh, boxer four cylinder, makes 200 horsepower, which, by the way, is a Ferrari power figure because that's 100 horsepower per liter. And then, you know, people learn couple years later after this car is like you know circulated and they're finally on the used market and they dyno them it's like dude this thing makes like 150 160 maybe 170 <laughs> at the wheels right and the miata which is advertised at making 180 uh horsepower people dyno those all the time which that two liter in line four in the miata which makes 180 horsepower um People dynoed those and found out, whoa, Mazda sold these as making 180 horsepower at the flywheel. They're making them at the wheel. <laughs> like, so already the Miata is lighter and more powerful than right. my car. Um, but I still love my car. The Miata delivers power so much better because it sure. has a lighter flywheel and stuff like that. They just did everything right. They, they balanced the internal. So even though... the the boxer four of my car has an inherently balanced both primary forces and secondary forces are balanced so it should be able to rev freely um it's the engine the engine is the weak point in that car and so my next car is going to be the second generation of uh, the Cyan FRS is no longer around, but the Toyota GT86 or Subaru ah, BRZ—they're cool. the same car. Yeah, but um, the second generation generation was just released—not released, um, not released uh, in terms of made available, sure. but they just released uh, all the the figures, the numbers, and stuff right. like that. A lot of people, a lot of the enthusiasts in uh, the groups that I'm a part of on like Facebook and stuff, some of them are unimpressed. I'm totally in love with it. Um, <laughs> they've went up from a 2 liter to a 2.4 liter boxer oh, 4 that's It a only change. Ma- it, you know it's only makes like 230 horsepower now which is right. only a 30 horsepower bump and it's no longer making that 100 horsepower per liter figure sure. but hopefully it's a little bit more realistic um the original car my car was notorious for having this huge dip in the power curve right, right in the mid range it helped with fuel economy um it helps with fuel economy, and it may have been tuned, but uh, to to have that dip right there. But what sucks about that is you're always in that twenty five hundred to forty five hundred power range. Right. Even though the the, the car redlines at seventy four hundred RPM, nobody's driving in you know in in, in that power band <laughs> right. all the time. They're always in your cruising power band, yeah. twenty five hundred yeah. RPM to forty five hundred RPM, and that's where that engine is its weakest. And it's the whole weak point of that car was the, uh, the engine. There were some complaints about the interior and, um, stuff like that, but it's, it's supposed to be like a raw, uh, car, like, you know, no frills. You you're lucky to have trash control. Not that you need it because it's only 200 (laughs) horsepower at the flywheel. But, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next generation. Um, they've fixed the problem of, uh, it being anemic in power by adding another 0. 0.4 liters to the engine. Um, they added an oil cooler, which oh, cool. is cool because that's going to make it more trackable. Yep. Um, not that I ever tracked mine, but you know, these are things to talk about. It's just, um, you yeah, know, the first generation was definitely like a spec sheet car. Sure. And the first generation, I feel like of a sports car, it needs to be a spec sheet car. It does. Yeah. They need to put a baseline in numbers. And you compare the first generation of my car to like the current gen, the fourth generation of the Miata. Right. Mazda's sell that's Mazda's halo car is the Miata. (laughs) Like that's their, you know, their Lexus LFA, but only at like (laughs) $30,000 to them. And they sell them like hotcakes. They don't, they, they sell and young people buy them and old people buy them. They don't care about spec sheets. They care about the feel, the emotion of it. And even though like the numbers of the Miata's engine aren't that impressive, even though they're more impressive than my car's uh, numbers, um, it's more about like, you know, how quickly does that tachometer shoot up to red line? And then how quickly does it drop back down to idle? and they managed to make it this lively race car feeling engine while making 30 miles to the gallon. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah,
0: that's fine. But,
1: but I, I, you know, I'm, I'm beating on Toyota and Subaru a little too much because it's the first generation car. Nobody sure. gets it right in the first generation. They come close and some people would even argue some enth- car enthusiasts would even argue that the first generation of any car is the closest you can get to the pure uh example the concept of what the company ori- originally wanted right. and while i somewhat believe that it's like you know there's what the designer wants and then there's what the people want and yep. you got to figure out where the best model the best right. iteration is uh when balancing those two so yeah
0: awesome i'm excited Hopefully, i'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm
1: not going to be getting that until 2024 though because i do it- want to drive my car into the ground
0: so I've upgraded from a 2008 to 2015, and there's so many buttons in that car. <laughs> it's you, like a cockpit of a fighter. I don't know what's going on in there. So I'm still learning the, what the buttons do. And with the uh, hybrid system, too, there's even more buttons controlling that system.
1: That was something that was reassuring about my car when I got it. There were no buttons on the steering wheel. <laughs> That's cool. They were like, nope, nope, you're not here to listen to music. You're here to drive. <laughs> it was really cool. But- All right, tell
0: tell me about uh we got some articles queued up. Uh do you want me to go first? Or uh yeah, you, you go it first off?
1: since I think right. you got two and I only got one. So yeah. let's let's stagger it.
0: Let's let's do it. So I've got one on additive. Uh so there's bike frames. Uh a, a bunch of years nice. ago, uh a bunch of people, a bunch of companies were really into let's let's grow true bike frames. That really didn't pan out too well. The I think the carbon fiber uh, bike frames have a lot more popularity, especially in the um uh, performance series, uh, bikes, but there's a, an award series that looks at, um, uh, sustainable materials, uh, the Perman, Perman Dust, uh, challenge. And the new winner is, um, uh, awarded based on their, uh, additively, uh, grown bike frame. There's a couple of interesting things about this bike frame that I picked up, uh, based on the images and the article one is they have an internal lattice structure uh, and it looks cool. like they're running the hydraulic system through the bike frame itself. So there's a couple of, you know. Oh, uh, really? hydraulic yeah, for
1: what? The hy- hydraulically actuated brakes? Yep, for the and brakes. gear changes? Yep, yep. yep. So they're not using um, cables anymore. That's wild.
0: Uh, I mean, for the brakes pro- or for the um, uh, gear changes, they're probably running cables, but okay. they're running through the inside of it. They, you can see tubes That's uh, awesome. through the lattice structure. So it's very interesting that, you know, they have a, a supported lattice structure to help reduce the weight. Uh, they're probably using titanium or something ungodly expensive. Uh, and also they're growing it in nodes or, or components. So they have like the, the, uh, the front fork or the front uh, section that has uh, sleeves or uh, mounting points so you can attach the next point to it. Um, it looks like the attachment method is probably still welding. Um, doesn't show any interlocking method uh, between nice. the parts. Uh, And it is of course post machined uh, components, but it's a very interesting take on um, uh, reinventing the wheel. Let's let's say and you know making incorporating new features. So on the outside it looks very very simple. The picture that they show is it's It's your your traditional
1: trellis frame, traditional trellis.
0: Yeah, yeah. They have a a front and rear shock which don't look uh, super interesting. But once you dig into it a little bit more, you you see that there's no there's not many. Uh, hoses and things like that running all over the place, and that's really uh, cool. It's, it's so really it looks Simple, yeah, it looks that's really awesome. simple. That's uh, awesome. But I will mention, you know, it, it's it's for the niche market. You know, they're building 12 frames a year, so based on that, it's going to be about five thousand dollars per frame. So, Dude, don't you, run out. You and, and buy I it, both but... <laughs> know bicyclists,
1: and those people will buy it. It'll sell. It'll like sell. like bicyclists are are hardcore. Like yeah. I feel like, you know, you, you've got car people you know, like right, you and I, right. they're, they're, there's car people, but like the next level of car person is motorcycle enthusiasts. Right, like, like right. you know, I became one of those because, you know, I am depressed that the manual <laughs> transmission is going away and it's probably not going to come back until gasoline internal combustion engines are become luxury goods 50 years in the future. Right. Um, just like the mechanical watch. But, uh, but you know, and, and then the next step Of enthusiasts from motorcycle uh, rider is bicyclists. Yeah, as much as those people are enthusiastic, they have money, and (laughs) these these people will have no trouble selling that additive produced bicycle frame. That thing's gonna sell out, and then they're gonna need to
0: make more. I do wish that they can highlight the the lattice structure a little bit more. It's everything's completely all the cool stuff is kind of hidden. I guess that's kind of the the nuance about it. But yeah, that's really cool. I mean, it's. As cool as um,
1: you know some, some really nice like mountain bikes or just racing road racing bikes are, you know the one thing that deteriorates their really clean look and that those slim tubes that make up the bicycle and the skinny tires is seeing all those that, that like bird's nest of <laughs> uh, cables coming from yeah. the handlebar. Yeah. And it's it's it'll be nice seeing if, if they catch on, if the style catches on, Uh, a cleaner design like
0: that. Wouldn't want to work on it though. One of those cable breaks,
1: I don't want to rewire it through there. (laughs)
0: That's a nightmare. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, What's your article about, Steve? So I've
1: got this really exciting article. Um, Boston Dynamics spot is helping Chernobyl move towards safe decommissioning. That's cool. So I don't know who. uh, Probably should have read more of the article than Tom Glan seeing it. I picked out the really cool points though but somebody's sending spot into uh, Chernobyl's reactor number four sarcophagus okay. to uh, help do some, you know, radioactive material waste handling. That's um, fascinating. And because, you know, why uh, risk a human's life when we've got advanced robotics now? Sure. But, uh,
0: and fairly inexpensive. I mean, it's say 70 to 80,000 bucks. $78,000 is still a lot of money. And sure,
1: I will say that you know, having come from working with a lot of radiation, uh, especially alpha radiation, just like mm-hmm. Chernobyl in my undergrad, um, before studying alpha decay and whatnot, you know, we had to, me and my classmates had to take an entire semester, an entire semester <laughs> of radiation safety, right. um, how to avoid radiation poisoning, how to handle radiation uh, and control it to your advantage. And a lot of that is like, you know, manipulating, uh, um, lead bricks and putting Mm. them into ways. So you're shielding yourself from radiation and then you've got to wash your hands regularly because you're handling (laughs) raw lead. Um, but, uh, having done a lot of experience in the lab or experiments in the lab, um, with uh specifically cesium-137 that was the nastiest uh sample right. i ever got to work with the, sem- the nastiest alpha emitter um i uh, fried a handful of calculators <laughs> at least two ti83 plus calculators oh man those which are is not eighty thousand dollars it's eighty dollars <laughs> yeah. but that's you know for a broke college student that's a little a lot of money and then when you go to calculate something and you see a bunch of gobbledygook on the screen no, seriously like what's really weird i wish i still had that one of those calculators i did i got rid of it because i eventually realized it was probably a good idea to get rid of that calculator if it absorbed enough radiation to destroy it's- the electronics inside probably shouldn't have it in my personal possession anymore <laughs> um but uh you'd turn it on and on the screen you'd just see a bunch of glyphs <laughs> like it, it, it did that the radiation alone Yep. In like not der- I didn't. I didn't blast like you know an alpha beam right at the uh, calculator. Sure. You know, uh, I didn't bombard it with a bunch of uh, uh, helium nuclei. It 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 was just close enough to the area of exposure that it decided, yeah, it can't function
0: anymore. And I did that twice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> do you think so, they give? Uh,
0: do you think they give spot like a lead jacket? Like I lead, don't know. Oh, I did see sweater. in the picture, if you look at the picture
1: in the article, you do mm-hmm. see Spot with little plastic bags around his paws, I guess is what <laughs> you'd call them. It's yeah. like those little, like, you know, Ziploc bags aren't going to shield it from uh, <laughs> radiation. I don't know. I don't know. That's funny. Um If they That's... did put a lead jacket on Spot, sure. naturally, that would greatly reduce its battery life because now it's mm. carrying a huge mass with True. it. Sure. into
0: uh chernobyl sarcophagus but I, I think uh, that's a really cool trend too i mean you have it, yeah seventy thousand dollars eighty thousand dollars is expensive but it is an off-the-shelf item that it's off-the-shelf you know, sure going to modify and you can you can place an order with it online and have it shipped to you and you know for anything nuclear related is going to be expensive let's be honest right so so right spending and, this you know I, I'm, I'm giving them
1: a lot of flack because it's like you know radiation will still damage electronics is the point right. I'm trying to make and and that spot is still it's not cheap yep. seventy eighty thousand dollars I forget what that figure was but at the same time seventy eighty thousand dollars down the drain is a bargain compared to the loss of human life oh absolutely so yeah there's that
0: going for it <laughs> uh, the last article I've got uh, Steve is about uh from Interesting Engineering, they're talking about uh, potential trends in AI f- to watch out for for 2021. Uh, it's a cool article. Uh, they talk about uh, some interesting things that uh, they're seeing uh, increased demand for based on you know this past couple of years. Uh, and so if you look at artificial intelligence and where it's being applied, a lot of it's skewed towards the consumer side of it, but I think there's a lot of good takeaways that we can take into the industrial side. One of the uh, interesting things was rise in demand for ethical AI. Uh, oh, so it's uh, you know how we apply artificial intelligence, and so they asked some interesting questions: Who's responsible if AI makes mistakes? Um, <laughs> you that's know, that's a good that's, question. That's a fair question, right? It, it, mistakes will be will happen from it. Uh, who takes ownership of the mistakes, and who has to basically pay, pay for fixing it? um it gets into interesting things based on the articles we've talked about from australia where they're using drones uh, autonomous drones in um uh weapon platforms um you know should an ai system be allowed to kill <laughs> i was like that's a very fair question it is uh, yeah and I, i'm sure that discussion is occurring right now at, and has occurred over the years and it'll continue <laughs> to evolve um how a how should humans treat ais you know if you know we're working with chatbots and things like that online. You're working with a lot of artificial intelligence now. Um, the question is, is there etiquette defined in working with AI? And, you know, I, I think in general, they treat AI tools or uh, any yeah. type of interaction as they would any other human. But it's an interesting question. That and is the an last, interesting question. And the last thing that comes up is AI uh, bias. And that's come up quite a bit Ooh. based on different training models and how training sets are developed and implementation of the training sets and that there's a an agreement that there will always be bias in artificial intelligence and you know i guess the idea is how do you quantify that and move forward and understanding that bias
1: i, I think there's always going to be a bias in intelligence in general right but yep. uh, what were what were the first two points um, uh, hold on let me
0: scroll back up here uh should second... who is responsible if an ai makes a mistake
1: yeah that's funny because you know, imagine when Australia has, uh, you know, AI combat drones, right? And they do a drone strike and you know, God knows where the next target's going to be. Um, and that country, let's say it's a third world country, points the finger towards Australia. You know, you, you, somebody needs to answer to this. Yeah. It was like, well, it was an AI. Okay. So, I mean, if you want to go, if you want to go the eye for an eye route, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I guess you can. You 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 can kill one of our uh, you, you can Kill one of our drones, but we didn't kill one of your drones because you didn't have any.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's I weird. Totally
1: just fell apart, but it's whatever.
0: What was the <laughs> second point? Uh, let's see. Should AI systems be allowed to kill? Uh, and how how should humans treat AIs with respect? Always, I think
1: you know. I what what what's the, how does that? How's f- that saying go? It's like it's it's your character isn't. Um, based on how other people or what you do when other people are looking it's your character is is based on what you do when nobody's looking right and while technically you know (laughs) cussing out a chatbot an ai (laughs) chatbot uh if it if it is deemed as an artificial intelligence but still an intelligence then technically it is somebody looking right is it treating that artificial intelligence like life itself? So, um, you know, considering that there's enough movies about there, about a robot uprise, uh, I would treat it with respect. You know, be nice, use periods, say yes or no, sir, <laughs> stuff like that.
0: Don't capitalize all your sentences. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah don't. Uh, the next one they talk about is uh, chatbots. Uh, so if you've been to a website where someone says, hello, would you, do you have a question? Uh, it, it's probably like a 50-50 whether or not that's a human person or a chatbot. And I think some websites have been clear that they are chatbots and some have been more obscured by posting a, a generic uh, Adobe stock photo of a person as pretending to be a person on the responding to you. But uh, obviously it's connected to the last one there. Uh, automating uh questions and you know uh, knowledge based uh uh information search chatbots are really really good at that it, you know collecting um uh, sales leads and collecting just general questions so you don't have to go talk to someone he can be answered pretty quickly is right uh, we see a lot more
1: of that AMT online used to have a chatbot and our our very own chief knowledge officer Pat McGibbon yep. was telling everybody that uh, that AMT Online's chatbot is AI powered, <laughs> and <laughs> and it was going straight to the concierges, me included. Yes, uh, Melissa, it went to uh, Oslon, um, went to a handful of people. But Pat would like go into speak at a seminar. Tell people that AMT Online has an AI powered chatbot, and immediately we'd all, get, everybody who answers the chatbot at AMT would yep. get pinged a message from like random things, like like not even complete sentences. Like uh, <laughs> one, we know who sent this one, but um, uh, one one of the pings was "Builder Distributor Agreement." That's it, not a complete sentence. <laughs> and I was like, "What's to do with that?" And I was just like, "Hello." I see you're inquiring about the builder distributor <laughs> agreement. What would you like to know about it? And then just like come back at me in all caps, builder distributor <laughs> agreement.
0: Yeah, <laughs> treat, just, treat the chat spot with respect. No need just, to use caps. Yeah. You don't know if it's going to be a human. <laughs> uh, the last uh, portion of this is um, workspace AI to boost uh, automation and augmentation needs. So it's, kind of the need of uh, AI and machine learning to accelerate uh, people in their daily workloads and improve their efficiency. So automating workflows, automating, you know, general tasks to move uh, employees to a a different area to uh, have them focus on decision-making and uh, doing stuff with the data. That's where uh, the article kind of ends up. And the the article gives a pretty good overview. I mean, some of these are... hmm, we'll say already commercialized, but I think the questions related to AI bias um, and how treating uh, artificial intelligence as a kind of an entity is an interesting topic. I mean, the type of stuff that we're doing, say on the industrial level, so it's, you put in data, you want to know when is something going to fail or uh, classifying certain things or doing uh, text analytics. Those are interesting things. But if you get into... Uh, a place where this algorithm is constantly ingesting data and providing information or decision-making for you. Um, that's a little bit different use case where you're probably going to see more of that growth in the future. So.
1: True. That's interesting. Th- those are all fascinating questions though. And I'm, yeah. I'm really going to, you know, we have our answers right now to, you know, what, what, those questions will look like in the future but the truth is uh we'll just have to wait and see yeah yeah. once ai is more commonplace uh you know we'll have a better answer
0: yeah and i think uh ethics related to ai will definitely become its own animal into itself for sure you know there have been cases when you're classifying pictures or if you have autonomous machines on the floor and you're assuming that the uh vision system has an ai built into it so it can pick up humans and if there's an accident who's responsible um so i think you know those type of questions will come up more often so it's super fascinating area just like the core technology of ai in general machine learning is by itself 100 so steve before we end today you know today is a very special pre-thanksgiving episode we got thanksgiving coming up tomorrow do you have any Uh, COVID-safe Thanksgiving plans. Besides feeding your dog better food than you eat. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's actually really sad. I have no idea what I'm gonna eat for Thanksgiving. Yeah, but um, my family is just has decided to do. uh, We already have our Zoom link. Okay. For our Thanksgiving dinner. Cool. Um, while I don't know what the food's gonna be, I know how I'm gonna be talking to each other. (laughs) Probably with this shirt on and no pants first thanksgiving with no pants on so at least there's that <laughs> but other than that i gotta figure out what to do about food maybe i'll go to popeyes and get a uh cajun turkey if it's not too oh, late. Man. with my luck it'll probably be too late and i'll just have some tendies
0: yeah i think it's gonna be too late i was thinking about that too but i think my wife and i both agree that turkey is not good in general it's not <laughs> We're, we i don't like baked turkey one it's gonna be three of us um, we may do a, a conference call or something like that with my parents too. Uh, but, you know, buying a 20 pound turkey for three people is outrageous. So much yeah. waste. Uh, so we'll probably buy some small game hens or small, really small chickens. Nice. We had a, uh, you know, something that's like five pounds each. Um, we had Dude, a, a, a competition got, a couple of years ago. If you, oh, oh tell me about the competition. I want to know. So we each had, it's small game hens or whatever, little guys, right? So we said, who's, who can b- bake the best game hen? So I did mine in a, in a like lemon thyme That's uh, cool. seasoning and Deepa did hers in like, a, you know, Indian flavored seasoning. And of course mine blew her out of the water. <laughs> uh, That's really but, cool though. Yeah. I think it would be really,
1: I think, I think your daughter Amelia would get a kick out of that. Having her own Cornish game hen. Yeah. All to I'll herself.
0: Get a third she could, one.
1: She could kill an entire game hen by herself. They are so small and adorable. Yeah. You little baby turkeys?
0: I gotta find one. We we'll go to yeah. go to Harris Teeter today. Yeah, so we we gotta buy a food. And oh, it's Deepa and I were small enough where you could deep fry it yourself. Yeah, that's true, and not burn down the house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, Deepa was listing out all the different foods that she wanted. I was like, Deepa, it's only three of us. How are we gonna eat a whole uh, green bean casserole? <laughs> so we we gotta scale back on the amount of food, otherwise it's just gonna kill us.
1: Single box right. of craft mac and cheese.
0: I, w- <laughs> I will be getting plenty of remote control car time in. Uh, Amelia's getting up to speed on driving hers. She's nice. really excited. So we've been taking hers around uh, in the backyard. I piled up a, pile of a le- bunch of leaves and she ran the RC car through the pile of leaves. So that was a lot of fun. That is cool. And I'll fire house. up the fire pit. I think if it doesn't, there's a chance of rain tomorrow. But if there's, if it does get a break, i will got a fire pit uh, we haven't uh, broken in yet. So, well, yeah. you could at least season it today.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's nice today.
0: Yep, I got to get some wood. Maybe I'll. And word numbers. on the
1: street is that uh, you know, AMT is closing at uh, at, at noon. noon today. So yeah. uh, there's not going to be much to do after this. Well, <laughs> there's plenty to do, but there's a lot more work. <laughs> Not going to be any work being done after this.
0: <laughs> awesome, Steve. Uh, I'm going to go start prepping uh, food, getting plenty of drinks and uh, go to the store. Hope we enjoy your Thanksgiving. It's going all to be right. Great.
1: Thank you, sir. You as well. And to all of our listeners, have a happy Thanksgiving. And if you don't have anything to do after this and you don't feel like prepping for Thanksgiving yourself, you can hear more from us at amtnews.org. Have fun, everybody.
0: Bye, everybody.